Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the Family Minister um, at St. Paul's Cathedral. Maya's back on the podcast, everybody. So exciting. We love it when Maya's here. I know. I love great, being here. Great way to start the new year because this is the podcast for the first Sunday of 2021. We are going to be talking about uh, three gospels today, which is weird. Uh, but that's because um, the the date of Epiphany obviously is always uh, January 6th, and that's right in the middle of the week. So people have the option of moving that reading. Uh, to the Sunday before, which is January 3rd. There's also two other gospel options. So what we're going to do today, instead of just picking one and doing three points, is for each of us to pick a gospel and do one point from each of the gospels. So you're going to hear a bunch of scripture today. uh, And uh, you should hear one of these in church if you go to church on January 3rd. Okay, so we will be talking about the gospels for the second Sunday after Christmas. But before we do that, we want to hear from you, Maya. We want to know, in the last week, where did you see God in your life, in your work, anywhere uh, in the world? Um, let's see. Well, I, this week, it's, you know, today we're recording this on the 23rd. So on the 20th, we did the Zoom recording for the, the Christmas pageant that we've been doing, the virtual Christmas pageant. Mm-hmm. Um, called Do Not Be Afraid. And I just really saw God in the performance that the kids gave. Um, I think, you know, the pageant, like, we haven't really done a pageant in the past, like, since I've been at the cathedral. And I really loved it because it seemed like a form of, like, it's formation. Mm-hmm. It was um, them telling the story, and I was able to kind of examine it with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. And it was a really beautiful thing to witness and participate in so cool yeah. so cool we would always love to hear from everybody that listens to the podcast uh if you have any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection maybe any uh learnings you took from your christmas pageant at your church or one that you were in we would always love to hear from you you can email us faith to go at edsd.org you can contact us through our website www.myfaithtogo.org where you can also follow find all of the Faith to Go resources for every week. And you can also follow us or uh, contact us through Instagram at Faith to Go. All right, so we're going to get into the first gospel reading for today, which is going to be the Epiphany reading. Uh, Charlotte is going to talk about it, but I am going to read it. And uh, it is Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Hold on. I got to save my page over here. All right, here we go. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. 
They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. A vivid memory of my childhood is the song, We Three Kings. (laughs) I remember being in church and children dressed as kings, making crowns in Sunday school, walking up the aisle as we sing, We Three Kings of Orient Are, and presenting gifts um, at the altar and just this vivid, vivid memory and taste almost, you know, when something is so clear to you that you can imagine every aspect of it, of there being these three kings. Mm -hmm. And yet the reading that we get (laughs) doesn't call them that. They are not kings. They are magi. They they are Gentiles. They, They have come from far away, another land, and traveled all of this way following a star. Maybe that is their real gift, their ability to find and be guided by this star Mm -hmm. um, and to understand dreams. But I also think that one of their gifts that they have is their willingness to take this risk, Mm -hmm. their willingness to follow this star um, in the certainty that it is going to take them to the place where Jesus is, that they are willing to take this risk and do this, even though they get lost. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they also, these, these wise men are not quitters, right? <laughs> they, they keep going. And I find that piece of the story really important to me, that I understand that as an adult, because it is the ordinariness of them that I connect to on a much deeper level than I would if they were kings. Um, you know, kings are supposed to be revered. They are set apart. They, they all of the, And we talk about that when we talk about the birth of Jesus, too. This baby who was a king unlike any other, born in a manger, right? Um, not a king sitting on a throne that is, you will follow me and has all these oppressive systems and all of those things that we associate with kings, especially in that era. And these wise people were ordinary. They were ordinary people that knew how to read stars, that knew how to analyze dreams, and who were willing to take the risk and go on the journey to Christ. And I think that there's an opportunity for us to live into that message, especially in the season of Epiphany, which is why we have this reading this week, right? Because Epiphany falls on January 6th, and then it's the whole season that follows it, where we're supposed to consider that season of light, how we are sharing our light in the world, the things that we do that help it to shine brighter and the things that we have been doing that dim it and cast those aside, Mm -hmm. living into the birth of Christ in a more resplendent way within ourselves. And I think that if I hold that as acceptance of the ordinary and making that extraordinary, 
then I have room for it in it, room in it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because, <laughs> because I'm not a king um, or a queen for that matter. But I am an ordinary person who f- does my best to follow Christ each and every day. And some days I do it better than others. But I do try to always follow that star to end up to where Jesus is Mm -hmm. and to not just end up where Jesus is, but to share the good news of Jesus with each and every person that I meet. Mm -hmm. And I really like the invitation in that of taking out the pageantry that I grew up with and instead living into the ordinary gift that's here in the scripture. Mm -hmm. And I think that... Uh, goes well into my point, and Maya is going to read this the gospel for my point, which is the very next uh, part of scripture, Matthew two thirteen to fifteen and nineteen to twenty three. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, "Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt." And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus yeah, was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that he might... So what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. A Nazarene. So uh, we get, it's it's interesting to have kind of this big chunk of Matthew's infancy narrative when we've, <laughs> all of the readings for Advent, at least about the infancy narrative, have been from Luke, which focuses so much on Mary. Here we get a lot of Joseph, but also a lot of this, a formulaic way that um, Matthew talks about prophecies being fulfilled, which happens, I think, like 14 times in Matthew's gospel. That something happened so that it may fulfill what had been spoken through the prophets. Uh, and so all of these kind of happenings are are fitting into this pre-existent prophecy uh, journey that everyone's supposed to be on so that things happen in order that you know, Jesus has to go into Egypt and then Jesus is going to grow up in Nazareth and things like that. What I was struck by in this gospel is this, um, is this movement into and out of Egypt, into Egypt and back to Israel. And, you know, Matthew is, Matthew is, um, very, um, intentionally, um, creating this story to mimic the story of the Hebrew people uh, in Exodus. And so kind of Jesus as like this, this new Moses kind of character later on in the scriptures, Jesus will go up on a mountain and will pass down this new kind of 
updated law for everybody. Uh, and so this is, it's kind of all starting here where Jesus has to go flee into Egypt uh, to escape kind of this tyrant ruler similar to the Hebrews and then out of out of Egypt um, back to Israel. And and it's interesting because it's like that they have to go into Egypt in order for the prophecy to be fulfilled that out of Egypt God called uh, God's son. And this uh, that verse, verse 15, uh, out of Egypt I have called my son is referring to the book of Hosea, chapter 11, verse 1, uh, where it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So they, this uh, Matthew is just quoting that second part of that first verse. But when, when it says, out of Egypt I called my son, it's not just talking about an individual person. Though Matthew is identifying you know, using this kind of God's son, God's son language for Jesus as an individual. But in the context of what is quoted in Hosea, when it says, out of Egypt, I have called my son, it's talking about the whole nation of Israel, this whole group of community of Hebrew people. And so I, I just, I really love the idea that I would, I would, it would be, I think, helpful for us in this moment to kind of reclaim the the kind of communal liberation and salvation and healing that is being alluded to here because Jesus has become for many of us and for a lot a lot of kind of Christian traditions kind of like a personal savior and and a very individualistic kind of like healing saving thing what Matthew is describing is not that. What Matthew is describing is a savior for a whole community, a healer for a whole community, a liberator of a whole community, hearkening back to the greatest liberation in the history of this group of people, which was this liberation from slavery in Egypt and the exodus into, uh, into the wilderness and eventually into this promised land. So we're supposed to be picking up on all those themes, the themes of liberation of the possibility that God, you know, is doing something new, that God can can do all these amazing things in the world to push back against the oppressive powers of creation. And and the thing that I want to just highlight here is that that's not a that's that's not ultimately just an individual effort and it's not just for an individual person. It's for whole communities of people. It's for a whole nation. It's for a whole world. And so I think it's 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 good in this moment where we like where we celebrate especially in this season where we're celebrating like this individual person of Jesus the incarnation in this particular person the incarnation in this particular place at this particular time to recognize that that doesn't have just implications for individual people but for whole groups of people and that Jesus's message was about a kingdom of heaven that was a communal effort not just an individual one so I think that brings us to uh, Maya's point, point number three, which is from Luke's gospel, getting back to Luke, Luke 2, 41 to 52. Charlotte's going to read this one, and then Maya is going to give her point. The parents of Jesus went to Jerusalem every year for the festival of the Passover. 
And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. They, then they went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. I think I am... You know, I think it's notable how this story starts with a very human moment of a parent's fraught with anxiety, a kid being lost. Um, you know, I've, I've been lost. And this human reaction of like, we were worried sick of like, you know, anger that comes from fear of being a parent. And then we just get, or they get slapped with this Jesus's divinity of like, not only am I in this temple and you know, schooling these folks, but also um, just this clarity and it reads as very assured of his purpose, mm -hmm. um, slightly arrogant, but <laughs> like, didn't you know? Uh, but that's none of my business. Um, and, and so we see this process in this passage of Jesus um, as a child to human parents who gets lost and then this... Um, you know, very wise child. And at the very end, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and years and in human divine and human divine and human favor. Uh, my Bible has a little end note there that says, instead of in years, it also says in stature, mm. like he literally got taller, <laughs> which I think is interesting. Uh, and so I think a lot of Mary about what it was like to watch her child become more divine and more wise and grow into his human nature, his human, his divine stature um, as he grew physically as a human as well. And as evident by the last two verses that, or last two scripture readings we've read, she is aware that her child is important, has some pretty major implications as far as empire and justice and liberation and that is dangerous. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had to, to relocate. And, and so when it says that his mother treasured all these things with her heart about um, Jesus coming to Nazareth and being obedient to them and, and whatnot, I, I think about what she knew, how she thought of what, what was Jesus's process of becoming and growing into who he was and what he was meant to be and who was, what he was meant to do. And, and did, like how many parents have to look at their children kind of the same way with this, um, this understanding that, and this joy in watching your child grow up, but then this growing understanding that being who 
they are and who they were meant to be, the world is going to face them harshly and maybe with violence. Um, crucifixion was, was very common. You know, people would get crucified uh, uh, on the way to major cities or on the outsides, and they probably knew someone or knew someone who knew someone who was crucified. And so I'm wondering when she looked at those people, like if she knew that that's how her son would would die as a, as a, as a political, um, you know, as a rebel, as someone who is a threat to empire. She knows that. And so I guess more than anything, my point is wondering what the process of becoming into our, what in growing into divine stature and our divine nature, um, the implications of that individually and for our communities and for our families, but also collectively. Kind of, what is that? Um, that there's mixed emotions, that growing up isn't always joyous and this isn't gonna be a, just a happy process. There's gonna be growing pains mm -hmm. and there's gonna be anxiety and there's going to be danger. <laughs> and so I wonder just how we can uh, not necessarily learn for, from it. I, I think it's just, well, yes, learn from it. But I just think it's important to point those things out. I don't know if I really have a point other than um, being cognizant of the implications that this isn't going to be this is absolutely joyous and amazing and liberating process. I mean, it will. Mm -hmm. There will be joy and there will be overwhelming joy, just like the shepherds felt, just like the magi felt, just like Mary felt when she sang her song of praise. And there's going to be, um, it, and we'll be reminded of this along the way, a lot of growing pains. Mm -hmm. Well, and Maya, I think a lot of what I'm hearing and you're wondering, which resonates with me very deeply, is the call to love each other through it, um, right? That I'm challenged as a parent, I'm challenged by Jesus's response. <laughs> in this scripture, right? Like as a mother of a child, I'm like, what do you mean talking to me that way? Like that's, that's challenging for me. Um, and I certainly was not Mary. Um, I love my children deeply, but it's a different relationship for sure. And yet I know that as a human mother, that that must've been incredibly challenging for her to understand so deeply and still to be exceptionally frustrated at times or overwhelmed at times. All of that is what I hear in you. And yet what Mary models for us is that opportunity to love each other through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And hold, and to hold this, hold space for those, you know, unfolding mysteries so well, which she is, which has been kind of her MO for the whole first two chapters you know that this is the third time in two chapters of Luke that it says that Mary responds by treasuring all these things in her heart you know and like I think that's just such a beautiful example for all of us to in the face of this weird crazy unfolding mystery to like deep to like let those things into the most vulnerable place in us and to hold yeah. them to hold them gently uh, without drawing conclusions um, and just letting them cultivate something in us. Absolutely. So 
That was three points on three Gospels. Wow, what a marathon. So, um, point number one was Charlotte, and it was from the Epiphany reading about the wise men. And her point was about them, that they really aren't kings. You know, they are wise people willing to, uh, and their wisdom is about willing to, you know, see God in the ordinary and to respond uh, humbly. Uh, and number two was my point, and it was about uh, the the story that follows that, about Joseph and uh, the Holy Family uh, fleeing into Egypt and returning to Israel and how the the idea there for Matthew is to help us remember that this 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 salvation and uh, the salvation and healing promised and liberation promised in Jesus is not just an individual uh, journey, but a communal one and a communal promise. And then number three was Maya's. And it was from this story in Luke of the 12 year old Jesus going to the temple with uh, Mary and Joseph and getting lost and how Mary responds, how Mary uh, holds Jesus's unfolding identity gently and how hard that is. For all of us, uh, especially parents and children. So having heard those points, we invite you to, you know, go back and read whichever of these gospels you want and remember that point. So we would love to hear from you any of the things that jump out to you from these gospels, any questions or comments you have, you can email us, faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org. And you can also contact us through and follow us on Instagram at faith to go. And we hope you all have a great week leading up to Sunday, January 3rd. Thank you again to my little Sonia for being on the well, podcast. thank you for having me. You are an all-star. And, oh, and One uh, day I'll catch up to Hannah. And founder, though. You know, there's only, <laughs> oh, true. There's only two founders, and you're one of them. <laughs> uh, and we will be with you all again next week. And until then, we say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.